You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sing a song from a grateful heart. Sing and never forget all the good he has done. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He reaches deep into the pit to deliver you from death. He crowns you with unfailing love and compassion like a king. When your soul is famished and withering, he fills you with good and beautiful things. Satisfying you as long as you live. He makes you strong like an eagle. Restoring your youth. I'm Jason Leininger. I'm the executive pastor here at Schweitzer. It's my joy to be with you to, uh, to wrap up this series on forgiveness. Uh, f- several years ago, three, I think, to be exact, I had a writing assignment that became the toughest writing assignment that I'd ever faced. Now, at the moment that I had this other writing assignment, I was in the midst of writing a doctoral dissertation. So if any of you have ever gone uh, on that track, you know that that's a hard thing to go upon. But then I had another writing assignment because I was taking a class in Methodist history and polity, and, and the writing assignment was this. In a hundred words, summarize your faith. A hundred words or less. Now, the Apostles' Creed has, I think, more than a hundred words to it. It's a pretty short summary. But what would you put into a hundred words or less about what you believe, what you think, about who you are, about what God is like about the world, how would you summarize what you believe into a hundred words or less? You can do that this afternoon. That can be an assignment for you. Um, that's a hard task. The psalmist, when we hear those words or see those words from Psalm 103, is in some ways writing down for us what he believes. But he's not just writing down for us, for the world, but he's writing to his own heart. See, because from time to time, all of us have moments when we know we believe something, but then we begin to forget it, or it leaks out, and we have to be reminded, or we find ourselves in places where our heart is troubled, and we have to come back to those places where we remind ourselves about who God is. And so the psalmist takes up his pen, and he begins to write, Hear again, O my heart, what the Lord is like. And so he begins to put those description things out there. He tells us that God is somebody who forgives sins. And the writer tells us that God is somebody who heals diseases. And the writer tells us that God is somebody who who redeems. Or in a song that we're going to sing a little bit later, he makes beautiful things out of dust and beautiful things out of us. God redeems, does things that we can't see or imagine. And God satisfies and renews. The writer of Psalm 103 is not just writing to us, but is writing to his own heart to say, these are things that I've felt, I've known, and yet there are moments, times, when I've got to come back to this place and be reminded. Be reminded of God's forgiveness. This um, series that we've been on is going to come full circle about forgiveness today. We started off talking about how forgiveness, this piece that the psalmist writes about, 
is so critical to who God is, and God invites us into, it, into that. And then we went from talking about why forgiveness to steps that we can take toward forgiving others when we've been hurt. And then last week, we talked about how there are ways in which we can walk in, in places to seek the forgiveness of other people that, we've, that we need to make amends with in our own life. And today, we're coming back to this place of talking about how do we receive forgiveness and be reconciled to God and also be reconciled to other people. Jesus values forgiveness. In fact, over and over again within the scriptures, we find Jesus speaking about how forgiveness and reconciliation is at the heart of who God is. Just as the psalmist talked about the significance of forgiveness, about how God forgives, Jesus came on the scene, and over and over again, he began to, to talk about how forgiveness is what God wants to do. In Luke 4, when he's in his own hometown, he's talking with other people about, well, he's actually invited to read scripture. He takes the scripture and he rolls it, uh, opens the scroll to a part of Isaiah, and he reads these words. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. There you go. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's appointed me to preach good news to the poor, and he sent me to proclaim um, that the captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus said at heart, at the heart of what his own mission was, at the heart of what he was, was intending to do throughout all of his ministry, was to help people find freedom. And the thing where most of us, you and I, are hang-ups from time to time, the places where we aren't free is often around the thing I tend to not be free with a mic these days. I don't know what in the world is going on. Um, I'll keep this close. The places where Jesus says, Jesus knows, Jesus sees and experiences, and we do too. The place where we often are, are the least free, the places where we're bound up, tends to be where there's something in the back of our mind, something in the back of our story, that pops up from time to time and reminds us that we're not who we wish we were. Where there's some sin that we find ourselves falling into from time to time and time and again, even when, we, even when we point it out and make note of it and say something to somebody else and we ask somebody to hold us accountable, we can still find ourselves in those places. The heart of Jesus, the heart of Jesus is to announce to the world that we don't have to be in bondage to those things, that we can find freedom. And so not only does he announce that in, the, in his own hometown when he unrolls a scroll, but then he lives it out from time to time across his ministry. We see it all across the ministry of Jesus. One of the places we see it, one of the stories that I love to tell, I used to tell this story to my kids all the time. It's found in Mark 2. When there's this guy who's lame, and Jesus is teaching in his town, and, and his friends know that Jesus is there. His friends have heard that Jesus heals. And so they go and get their friend, and they carry him to Jesus, but they can't get into the house because the house is crowded with people. So they go up on top of the roof, and they dig a hole through the roof of somebody else's house, and they lower their friend down. And when they do that, Jesus doesn't say, 
hey guys, you're making a lot of dust here. Jesus doesn't say, who's going to fix the hole in the roof? Jesus doesn't say a lot of things to this guy except this. The first thing he says to the guy is, your sins are forgiven. Um, That's the first thing Jesus says to the guy. Everybody else begins to wonder, how can he say that and all those things? And Jesus says to let you know that I've got the authority to forgive sins. I also say to you, take up your mat and walk and go home. Jesus heals this guy in his soul and in his feet. Now, one of the things that, that we could wonder, we could question about in that story is, was there something about the guy's own life? Was there some sort of sin? Was there something in his spirit that kept him in a position where he was lame? We don't know. The scriptures don't tell us. There are some people who almost automatically draw that connection. That if this, then, then that. You know, an if-then kind of equation that you may have learned in geography class. Mark doesn't tell us that. We do know that from time to time there are things within our soul, deep things within our soul, that have effects within our own body. Whether that was the case in the man who was let down through the, the roof, we don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus spoke both to his soul and to his body. And he began to do a healing work in both places. Another story Jesus told, he told a story of of about a father who had a son. He had two sons, and one of the sons uh, looked at his dad one day, and he said, Dad, I'd, I'd like my inheritance. And his son went off, and he lived, he lived the way he wanted to live. And by the time he was ready and able to come back, he had nothing. And yet Jesus said, This father is a father who is somebody who waits and he longed for his son to come home and he waited at the window. He went to the window every day and then when he saw his son off in the distance, he did something that Jewish fathers would never do. He ran. He went running to go and embrace his son. Jesus told that story because he said that father is like God himself who longs to see us in the distance, who looks for us, who, who's passionate for us. And when he sees us coming, he runs to us to embrace us. That's the forgiveness Jesus talked about. Jesus also uh, showed us forgiveness in another story at the end of the Gospel of John. After he's been resurrected, Peter and, and others have gone up to the Sea of Galilee and they've gone out fishing. And then they see that somebody's sitting on the beach and they wonder who it is and somebody's sitting on the beach and they've made a fire and they see the fire over there and suddenly John says well that's Jesus and Peter he just jumps into the sea and he swims to the seashore see Peter's got a real sense of guilt he's got a real sense of letting Jesus down because when Jesus was arrested Peter had denied him three times And Peter's got to know. He's got to know deep down in his soul, like, where am I with you, Lord? And Jesus has breakfast ready for them. And then Jesus invites Peter to go on a walk. And on the walk, three different times, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know that I do. And then Jesus says, well, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Jesus is just showing us time and time and time again that the heartbeat of God, the heartbeat toward the world, the heartbeat toward you and I 
is a heart that beats with forgiveness and a heart that longs for reconciliation to, to bring Peter back to that place where he not only is around Jesus, but that he can carry out the mission Jesus had in mind for him. That's what Jesus sets in motion. He sets it in motion so much that Paul in, in the book of 2 Corinthians says, you know what Jesus gave to us? He gave to us who are his followers. He gave us this, this ministry of reconciliation. In fact, he says, we are to become ambassadors of reconciliation on behalf of God. So that where you go and I go, we not only get to carry the sense that we've been forgiven by God, we've been reconciled by God, but we have this, this joy, this message that we can share with one another, that we can, we can give to other people that we're around. This invitation to be reconciled to God. And so the church, when the church is good, when the church is right, when the church is, is doing everything that it should be doing, and everybody knows when a church, a local church, or the church universal is carrying this mission out because they see it in real, in real events, in real life. And the church is being the church. It is carrying out this, this ambition to be ambassadors for Christ. The church has a number of ways in which it begins to express this forgiveness and this reconciliation. One of the ways that it has is, is the gift of baptism. Here's a picture of a baptism that was done here re recently. It's the Vaughns and, and their little, little baby girl. Uh, baptism is a way in which we encounter, we experience the forgiveness and reconciliation of God. One of the prayers over the water, now water and baptism has got all kinds of symbolism. It symbolizes the idea of birth and, and rebirth. And the other thing that water symbolizes is the idea that the water is there to help wash away our sins. Thomas Oden, who's a theologian who just passed away recently, he said, you know, God chooses some of the most simplest elements in life to convey his grace to us. He gives us the image of a bath and a meal to talk about how he wants to intersect our lives and connect to us. So baptism, water, is a way in which we encounter the, the cleansing of Christ the washing away of our sins, the washing away of our guilt, not simply on our, on our outer skin, but down deep in our souls. And there's other ways in which water can be symbolic of that. And a little bit later on in our service today, we're going to have a way in which water can remind us of the cleansing power of Christ, the washing away power of Christ. One of the other things, other ways in which um, we experience God's forgiveness is through worship. Um, one of the songs that we're going to sing a little bit later on today is, oh, help me out with the name, KJ, I forgot it. Beautiful Things. Thank you. Every time the song Beautiful Things comes up, I'm taken to a certain place at a certain time. The first time I ever heard the song, um, I don't know if songs do that for you, but there was a time in my own spirit where I was really wrestling with God and really struggling with God to know what, what God was up to and what I was, what I was supposed to be doing and being, uh, how I was supposed to fit in with what God was doing. And my soul was really raw. 
And that song, in fact, it, <clears throat> the first Sunday I heard that song, I heard it twice. And then later that week, I heard it the third time. It was like this, there was this anthem that was just, God was wanting to speak into my own life. Places that I thought were, were dust, things have just been ground down to nothing. The song picks up on the, some of the themes of the prophets in the Old Testament that says, when we think there's nothing, God finds a way to make beauty out of nothing. And so worship is a place where God comes to us and he speaks to the deepest places of our soul. Maybe it's through a song or maybe it's through a sermon or maybe it's through an act of like receiving um, the Lord's Supper. But God always finds a way in worship to draw close to us and speak to those deep places in our lives. Another uh, way in which God comes to us and which the and way the church can express the forgiveness of God is through our prayers. Now here's a, a couple people praying one-on-one. But if you think about what Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, every from time to time I'll come back to some of those phrases. And the, the phrase that I often come to from time to time is forgive Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know, Jesus, when he was asked to teach us how to pray, told us to say that prayer. And if he told us to say that prayer, he seems to think that God will follow through and God will answer that prayer. So when we pray it, we can pray with confidence. And when we pray... It's not just us who talks, right? Because we listen for God to speak. KJ, thanks for talking to us, reminding us about the significance of silence. Because as we enter into a place where we want to meet face to face with God, we have to enter into a place where we listen for God to speak and for God to address those things that we hold on to or that come up in the back of our mind. One of the other aspects that the church has is the aspect of community. This is where we connect with one another and we encourage one another. I've been blessed to be part of a small group of guys. There's four of us that are together. And we really have four questions that we work through. The four questions, uh, I may forget, forget them, but they go something like this. What sins have you committed this past week? What kinds of temptations have you faced? Um, where have you found victory along the way? And what, are there, what things in your life are you unsure of? As the four of us gather and we talk through those questions, we see where one another is struggling. We hear that, those elements. And the four of us are able to speak life. We're able to speak peace. We're able to speak forgiveness. We're able to speak words of challenge to one another. And to say, you know, the Lord is still present in your life. And we hear your struggle and we note that. But God wants to take you to another place. He wants to take us all to another place of victory.
And then after community is, is the act of reconciliation itself. I don't know if you can see that or not. You, you can see it pretty well up here. Back in the fall, <coughs> I saw this um, element unfold as the middle school guys were on a trek around the, the campus. And they went to the, the statue of Jesus that's in our prayer garden. And I saw this young man and a, several other young men climb up into the arms of Jesus. And I thought, what better picture is there about what it is to be reconciled to God than to be able to, to be that close to Christ, to have Christ hold us and speak to us. Now, I know there's probably a, we're probably going on a, on a limb here by putting that picture up there because some of you are probably going to want to go out and see if that statue will hold you too. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it will or not, but this picture just speaks so much about what is at the heart of God and what God longs to do for all of us. That we could not only know, you know, up here in our minds that we can be forgiven, but we can know experientially throughout everything in our life that we, in fact, are forgiven and we can walk in grace. The Wesleyans, uh, those who follow John Wesley, in that, in that line of, of uh, theological thinking, they talk about how forgiveness is this assurance, this deeply held assurance that God cares for us and carries us and and there is peace, peace that settles into our hearts. Our brothers and sisters in the Roman Catholic Church or in the Anglican communion, they have this, this right that they know is reconciliation. They used to call it confession, but they realized that confession only takes you part of the way, right? It just says, I think I need to be forgiven for this. But it, reconciliation says, no, it, it goes the whole distance where we get to this place where we're at one with Christ. So reconciliation is a way in which two people, two people can, can get together and they can, they can begin talking through some steps to talk through about what is it that burdens your soul? What is it that, that is resting there? What is it that you need to confess? And so there's some steps to reconciliation. One is silence. You come together. A couple people do. And they recognize that we're going to go on a journey of reconciliation and so we begin in silence to hear what the Lord wants to say, what the Lord wants to stir up in a person's life. And then the confessor just begins to speak. You know, what is it that's burdening my own spirit? And then scriptural words of assurance are given. Things like the words that Jesus says, things that Jesus says from the cross. I forgive you. As the Son forgives us, you you're forgiven. Then there's dialogue. You know, each and every one of us have something in our own hearts, our own spirits. All of us stand in a need of grace. And then words of absolution are, are given. You, my brother, you, my sister, a child of God, and you are forgiven. Walk in freedom. Well, 
Who should enter in? Who should take up this idea of reconciliation, this, this right? Who should, who should utilize that, that gift that the church has that we can give with one another? The Anglicans have a saying that all of us can. None of us must, but some of us should. I was thinking about this. Who, who should enter into this right? Who should seek it, this right of reconciliation? Um, if anybody's ever said to you, you need to let that go, um, that's something that you keep bringing up from time to time, the right of reconciliation might be something that you want to do. If you've sung the song from Frozen, let it go, let it go, and you have a whole bunch of stuff in the back of your mind that, that just sort of conjures up, the right of reconciliation might be for you. If other people have sung you that song, let it go from Frozen. The right of reconciliation might be something that you want to try out and put on. And reconciliation, one of the other aspects of it is that sometimes there's an act of penance, right? Like when you meet with a confessor and you talk about what, it, what is it that's bothering your soul, what is the thing that keeps you bound, there may be some things that, that you may need to do either in that moment or after that moment. I love the picture that C.S. Lewis gives us in the Chronicles of Narnia in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader when he writes about this cousin of the Pevensies called Eustace. And Eustace became a dragon, and yet he needed to be free. And he did all kinds of things to try and get free, but suddenly Aslan, the Christ figure, shows up and he says, stand before me, Eustace, and let me undress you. Let me make you free. This morning, we're going to enter into a rite uh, of hand washing. It's a rite that really comes from the picture that we see in the upper room where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And he gets to Peter, and Peter says, if you're going to make me clean, clean me up, you know, wash me from head to toe. And Jesus says, you've already been made clean, but you, you need to be reminded of it. And you need this here and in this place right now. And so much like communion, you're going to be invited to come down the aisles to the places where the basins are. And Pastor Bob will be at one basin and I'll be at the other basin. And just hold your hands over the basin and we'll pour a little bit of water over your hands. And as we do that, we're gonna say, you are clean because Christ himself makes us clean. Before we get to that place of coming to those stations, there's a liturgy we'd like to go through and then after you receive the washing of the hand, if you'd like to go to the prayer rail, you can, you're welcome to do that, or to the prayer wall, you're welcome to do that. But this prayer of confession is something that helps us ready our hearts and come to the place where we can experience the cleansing power of Christ. Let's say this together. Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We're sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us 
and restore to us the joy of your salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I invite you into a moment of silent confession. Hear these words of pardon. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. As the Lord calls us forward, you're welcome to come and receive the washing with water.